Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you are joining us for another one of our excellent Church Planter podcast episodes. Most excellent. If I actually had to rethink of what was the name of the podcast. I'm like, which podcast am I doing right now? You're doing too many. You are the man of many podcasts. You right the now. You are the of podcasts. Right. And all these daily live streams I'm doing on the Bivo Pastor page. I'm like, well, what am I doing right now? Someone just tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. That's awesome. Just point and shoot you. You know you're going to start combining them. You're going to like do the the gun one you do, the Bible one, the church planning all together and then arming pastors to make money. That that'll be my that's that's my home ministry right there. Arming pastors to make money. Your network of podcasts needs to be called Podcast Soup because none of it is well, all of it's connected, I guess, you know. It's connected by me. Well, hey, hey. I actually okay. have people who follow me around the podcast just because they want to hear me. You know how special that makes me feel? It's actually kind of nice. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, so we got people that like to shoot other people. Except for the Church Planner podcast. podcast. No one no one listens to the Church Planner podcast for me. Everyone <laughs> listens for you. Well, I was going to say, I, you know, this new fan base that comes out, you know, we need more Pete on the podcast. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be great. I would I just can, like to I say. talk less. I would just like to say that I was so pleased that we put out the call to Brandon Brooks on like, I don't know if it was the last episode or one of the last ones because we hadn't heard from him in so long. And lo and behold, he messages me, hey, psst, I'm still here listening from the shadows. Congrats on your weight loss, <laughs> shooting awards, and soon fulfilling, fulfilling your dreams to properly concealing your weapon. Well, we won't go to the rest of that one. <laughs> I forgot what he said there. 
it's so funny because I knew that comment. It was a throwaway. Oh, he's not even listening anymore. I knew that was going to backfire. What I thought was funny is he reached out to me and not to you. I know. Well, then I reached out to him and said, Hey, I got, I got your message via, via Pete, you know, uh, uh, Hey, that dude took me to the original 1960s bat cave. When I went up to Burbank to do a church planner assessment, he was like, Hey, Meet me on lunch break. I'll, I'll take you over to the Batcave. So I, I went to that cave that the Batcave used to come out or the uh, Batmobile used to shoot out. of. That thing is rad. And it's been on tons of films. Once you go and see it, you're like, I recognize that. But hey, we have a very special podcast today. Pete and I decided that you guys are probably a little bit sick of listening to us, kind of like Ed Stetzer. I didn't decide that. I figured they, <laughs> they always want to listen to me. Well, Ed Stetzer came on once and said, so what are you guys like uh, two people having beers in mom's basement and recording about church planners? Now, that's an old comment. He has since learned that we are not just in mom's basement. I mean, we are in mom's basement, but there's so much more to the podcast. But we are starting today, um, starting to get other guests on here because after seven years of podcasting on church planning, I mean, me and Pete kind of look at each other sometimes and we're like, hey, what do you want to talk about? There is a vast world of expertise out there on church planning. And I have to say, when we start this, we start with the godfather, right, of church planner training. Like the guy that I wanted to be when I grew up, right, which was, this is our guest and this is my announcement, Bob Logan, who is a personal, he's laughing because he's humble, but he is a personal mentor to me. I literally... Uh, asked him to coach me for a year. And on our first call, he said, so what's your goal? And I said, to be the next Bob Logan. So literally, Bob Logan started this whole idea of church planner training. Now, I know you'd argue that Paul did, but in the modern world, all the interviews I've done, uh, the majority of people out there, I say, hey, how did you uh, get into church planning? And almost everyone that I interviewed would say this. Well, Back in the 80s, there was this, and it might have been 90s as well. Bob Bob will tell me on this, but there was this kit you could buy, and it was called the Church Planners Toolkit. Now, I'll have you know, I own a copy of the Church Planners Toolkit. I went and bought one because I was like, I have to check this thing out. Like this thing, it was almost like unearthing like the like the secret tablets of raw or like the, you know, the 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 Ark of the Covenant. Um everybody was talking about it. So uh, complete with the uh, cassette tapes, right? <laughs> complete with cassette tapes, baby. And uh and what's great is it started a wave of church planning for people that were like Look, I just need someone to train me. So I want to welcome you, Bob, to the podcast. It's always an honor. You know how much I respect you. And, you know, you have been my coach and mentor uh, for some time. So great welcome. to be with you, Peyton. Yeah, good. Stuff. And Pete, also good yeah, to meet thanks. you. Thanks for, thanks for throwing me that bone. I appreciate that. Well, you know, we just met a few minutes ago. So <laughs> I value our relationship that we had just for the last few minutes. It's, it's been the best relationship that I've, I've created in the last few minutes, for sure. No doubt. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely in the top three. Well, Sounds like a winner. I had, I had a, uh, I had Bob on my other podcast, Church Planning. Uh, no, it's not. See, I'm doing the same as you. I don't See? even know what church plant or what, what, what podcast, podcast are you I'm on? Doing. More coffee needs more coffee. So, uh, on Ministry Ninja, we had Bob on there and, uh, uh, I asked him at the end, what is your secret ninja skill that no one knows about? And I don't know if you remember what you said, Bob. <laughs> 
Oh, I, I, I said I won the Soapbox Derby back in 1965. How rad is that? That's the classic. world championship, I might add. And yeah, when he said that, it wasn't just, oh, yeah, I, I won it in my local Cub Scout. It was world championship soapbox derby or uh, what, what, Pinewood, right? No, no, soapbox derby. The actual, the actual cars that you ride down the hill get about going about 30 miles an hour or so. Dude, that is Spent so a thousand hours life. building the thing. Holy and, uh, crap. Do you have pictures of this? Uh, yeah. Yeah, not, not I can show you this moment, but yeah. Okay, we need those in the show notes. Yeah, that's okay. it. He's got a, he's got he, this is 65, right? So it's not like it was digital pictures. He's got to go get them, scan them. I mean, come on. That's true. I'll, I'll, I'll see I'll see I'll see what I've got. Got to go to the attic, get the photo album, you know. That's how we rolled back in the day. I was born in 1973. I mean, those are good times. One of the best TV commercials I ever saw was uh this kid and he's making his his soapbox or whatever you call them the, the the derby, but it's a Hummer, and so it totally looks like the H one Hummer, and like he does the whole race top of the mountain all the way, but he can go over like everything, and all the other kids are like spinning out, and he's just crashing over everything, and it was a Hummer commercial, and they never once showed the Hummer, they just showed his his soapbox, and I was like, this is the best commercial ever, right here. How so cool! The my favorite ride when I was a kid was this ride at um, uh, Knott's Berry Farm. And, and you can watch videos of it now on YouTube. And it was called the Wacky Soapbox Racers. And I forgot this thing even existed, except that every night when I put my kids down, we do this thing called Funny Video. And we get to kind of like, you know, circulate whose turn it is, you know. And my kids sometimes like to watch like, rides that have gone extinct they're really into that you know like oh the jaws ride at you know disney world or universal or whatever it is so all this stuff it's gone bye-bye so we watched the wacky and i forgot all about that back in the day they had this ride and, and your car looked like a, a soapbox racer and there was all these pipes and steam shooting out and you go through these dark tunnels and what they had and they took them off later because they figured it was too dangerous you would literally, they would have like this um, thing of crates and it was just like a facade, but your car is a roller coaster. It would hit these things and it would smack super hard. And this, there was like trap doors that would fly open, but you would physically hit them. Then it would shoot you up onto the roof. So you're like a few stories up on these things. And it looks like you're going to go off the edge. Now, this thing was built in like the 70s. And so, you know, you know, it wasn't that safe. But it was just called the wagon. And by the by the time this thing shut down in like the early 90s, they had like made it so safe and stripped it of all the stuff that made it fun. But uh it, it was the closest that my generation could come to the little rascals, right? And the crud they used to do, uh, until you know, unless you actually built that stuff. But hmm. that had no it. point other than yeah. just to say it. <laughs> just you wanted to tell the story, I think. I did. That's I cool. Did. So, Pete, what's going on in your life, man? I got so much going on. You know what's funny is, okay, so on the podcast, I've been airing the uh, the live streams that I do for the Bivocational Pastor and Church Planner page, which, uh, again, guys, I'm sure if you listen to the podcast, you've been hearing the, the daily uh, videos. I've been throwing them on there as, as audios on the podcast just so you guys can hear them. I'm trying to basically help Bivocational Pastors, give them some ideas of 
uh, what they can do if they are self-employed or thinking about starting a business, how they can grow their business, things like that. Because that's what I do, right? I mean, I help businesses grow uh, and, and that's what I do for a living. So I'm talking this week with uh, a pastor out of uh, Germany. He's actually from Ohio. He's in Germany. And, and it was funny, man, because I it really like hit home for me when I was talking with him because he was inquiring about the, the bivocational uh, training that I've got for, for pastors. And uh, so I was meeting with him and by the way, guys, you know, do my, my shameless plug here. If you want to find out about it, go to missionbybusiness.com and you can watch my uh, training that I got on it and, uh, and then set up a call with me if it's something you want to want to take a look at. And what had happened was we were, we were talking and, and it reminded me when we were talking of, something that, that I had said on one of the other, um, videos that it was just, it was kind of like an off the cuff comment, but the more I think about it, the more profound it it gets to me because I I think the whole full-time minister thing is it's, it's a very Western concept, right? It's not done a lot. And I mean, it's, it's done, in the rest of the world, but it's not done nearly as much as it is in America, as an example. Um, you know, you look at Africa, almost everybody there has got to be bivocational. Like no one even goes into it thinking, well, this is going to be a full-time gig for me, right? I'm going to, maybe I'll be a worship pastor and I'll play the guitar for a living. I mean, that, like, no one thinks about that. And, hey, we need and, an executive pastor over here in this village. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Send in your application, please. So my comment on the video, and it really reminded me of it when I was talking to this uh, this pastor in, in Germany, is I go, it's not that God doesn't love Africa as much as he does America, and that's why he, he doesn't give them full-time ministers. I go, God loves Africa so much, he gives them bivocational pastors. Because, you know, you're spending more time with someone when you spend 40 hours a week working alongside them whether they're working for you, you're working for them or your coworkers or whatever, you spend way more time doing that. Like you, Peyton, I think you said um, when you were in Wales, it was when you had to get a job. That's when you started seeing people getting saved. And yeah, it was- my, my favorite church planter was, a, a, one of my favorite church planters is a guy in Honduras that's an auto mechanic. And it, although he had a shop attached to his house, he mostly did mobile calls, you know, to go out and fix it, you know, in place, et cetera. And he had planted dough t- 10 churches or so. Wow. Uh, and wow. and uh, really done some good things because he had this opportunity, had this regional kind of connection with people. And and what was cool is that I met him earlier in the day for, for, for lunch, you know, when he was taking a break from work. And then later I saw him at a church meeting. But the thing that I thought was really impressive was looking at his hands. You know, they still had all the grease, you know, under the nails <laughs> and, you know, that permanent grease thing that never comes out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that, that made it real, you know, it was, it was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. The only problem is when he goes to dedicate his, you know, children and they're like, uh, I'll hold the baby pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's all that's going on with me, man. I just been, uh, talking with pastors. I got another pastor I'm talking with at 11 o'clock today and I think a couple more tomorrow. And yeah, so it's, it's awesome. I love hearing what these guys are doing too. So cool. So yeah. cool. Well, hey, as a as a guy that was Bivo for 17 years, man, and um, sometimes by choice, sometimes by necessity, um, it was never a bad thing. And, you know, so much of what you do in ministry is a spiritual gift anyways, that 
It's not like it's a bunch of tasks. I know um, that book title always goes through my mind that John Piper is just one of the most brilliant book titles ever. Brothers, we are not professionals. Um, just, you know, that title kind of says it all, you know, this is a calling. This is a, you could do it, you know, with, with whatever job you end up doing. But, um, speaking of being busy, Bob, over the years, you have been super busy. Um, you, you've started kind of like a whole coaching network over the years, uh, coach net and you've, um, you know, obviously church planning toolkit. I mean, you've kind of been a, uh, really a catalyst for starting new things, but you're also a prolific author. Um, you've written multiple books and um, I, I wanted to talk about your most recent book, which is The Church Planning Journey. Um, tell us a little bit about that book. Well, uh, it's actually my fourth generation church planning resource. The uh, Church Planners Toolkit actually was generation two. Mm. I had a one that was in the 80s that was called the Church Planting Workbook, which was a principle-based approach trying to help people you know, move forward. But in, in my 40 years of more than 40 years of church planning experience, you know, personally through a classic church plant that reached a lot of unchurched people and birth churches out of that church. And then also uh, uh, a decade ago or so was involved in, in uh, planting a network of house churches called the Accordus, uh, Latin for way of the heart um, that I really sensed the, the need to, to help pull together stuff in a way that uh, would, would be principle based uh, really gleaning the learnings from 40 years of, of uh, church planting experience, but not let it be model specific, you know, to let it be truly principle based. And, and really, as you well know, the, the, the critical issue, Jesus didn't tell us to plant churches, he told us to make disciples. And if we'll engage in the community and incarnationally and, and uh, reach out and then invite people to follow Jesus, that we make disciples who make disciples, then those, those disciples that get gathered together, the New Testament called churches. And so that's what I really wanted to do is to uh, help people recognize that a lot of stuff has changed. You know, it used to be come to us. Now we got to go to them. And, uh, and people need to experience what's real. You know, that's, that's a critical issue and how to engage that process. So, so the church planning journey was a complete from the ground up how do you put this together in a way that that uh, really helps planters? And so there's there's um, checklists at the end of each chapter. Uh, there's questions to discuss with your coach. Uh, there's uh, conversation points that you can talk about with your team. Uh, there's suggestions for what you ask your intercessors to do. That that's a there's a journey guide at, at the end of each chapter that I think really helps people to move it forward. Let me ask you a quick question, Bob, if I can. What's really at the heart of planning a church that becomes a multiplying church? That's the key thing. You got to get the DNA right. And see, when, you, when people look at, at the, uh, the uh, book of Acts, you know, they say, well, that's the model of the church. Well, in reality, the model of the church needs to be from the DNA, which is in the Gospels. And so it's the making of disciples uh, who make disciples. It's in, in embodying the, the kingdom principles and living those things out. And, and as we get the DNA right so that we see disciples uh, being more like Christ and reaching out to form others, uh, that that then becomes the multiplication of groups, leaders, and churches. And to do that, you really need simple, reproducible processes. You know, the, the, the one, one group uh, 
in the kingdom of God talks about how everybody gets to play. And that's true. In disciples, that's not a command that, that uh, is just for the stars. It's for ordinary people. So as we do ministry, we do it in simple, reproducible processes. And if you'll focus on the multiplying of disciples and then groups and leaders, that's what makes it a multiplying church. And it's many possible models, whether you're a, a house church network or whether you have a, um, a, a celebration gathering once a month or weekly. Uh, or a classic church plant or multi-site or whatever, if it's if it's based on disciple-making who makes disciples, that's the key that will make it a multiplying church. Mm. That's that's what I love, Bob, about kind of if I look at you, you know, as I got to know you a bit, um, the things like house churches and all that, wherever there seemed to be kind of like a movement, seemed like God had positioned you kind of on the cutting edge of those things. Even today, I mean, I think you have such a missionary heart um, and a concern for the kingdom that, um, and, and I always find this like missionaries who go overseas and they come back, they stay relevant, right? Once God has put a missionary soul into you, um, you never look at your culture the same. You never look at society the same. You never look at people the same. Um, you're constantly about others. And I think that's the key. Uh, when people talk about staying relevant, you mentioned 40 years of experience, but you know, like, uh, church planners journey, um, church planning journey. It's, it's still a very relevant book because some of these principles here are very timeless anyways. I mean, I'm always finding I'm going back to the first century to go, huh? You know, what is something? Cause I, I found myself retroactively rediscovering what I had missed in the new Testament all along. Um, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about starting a church today? Obviously, you get people that come to you all the time. I know Pete and I do. But what advice do you give to someone just starting out? First off, I would take an inventory of your own discipleship. You know, and, and if you want to sort of summarize discipleship in, in uh, three key words, it would be, or phrases actually, authentic relationships, sacrificial service, and spiritual transformation. And so to what degree are Can you, you repeat those again, Bob, because those are, that's hot. One more yeah, time. Authentic relationships, uh, sacrificial service and spiritual transformation. And, and so I think we need to think about how, to what degree are we engaged personally in our own discipleship as we are growing in our relationships with others and our service to others and experience personal trans, spiritual transformation ourselves, and then engaging in that with others who, in fact, are experiencing that. That's the first off look there, because if you're not engaged as an authentic disciple who's making disciples while growing as a disciple, you're not going to be effective as a church planter. Right. Uh, secondly, I would suggest to discern God's calling. Uh, to, to, in other words, get a formal assessment to assess the competencies that you have, because no matter what model you use, there are certain core competencies that are necessary for a church planter. And, uh, uh, and that's been well proven and well documented through the years and, and getting a behavioral assessment, uh, is a, an important part of that equation. Uh, the, then the, the, the third and fourth thing I would recommend would be, um, mobilizing intercessors to pray with and for you. Hmm. You know, prayer is not preparation for the battle as Ian Bound says it is the battle. Right. 
and and then uh, finally to make strategic connections. You know, get a coach, connect with a, a a network of peers of other planters, so that you can learn together. Um, don't go isolated. Be connected and get the resources that you need. Hmm. It's good. L- let me ask you something, Bob. I'm sure in all your years of being in the trenches, you've seen a lot of the mistakes, a lot of the common mistakes that church planters make. What are some of those? Well, one that I already, already kind of referred to is ignoring the spiritual battle, hmm. you know, to, you know, that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church, which by the way, is his job. Our job is to make disciples. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So if you're mm-hmm. in church planning, you're in spiritual warfare. And so to really recognize that that is, that is the core battle. Secondly, the, the, one of the big mistakes planners make is, is, is not focusing time on reaching new people. You know, you, there's no impact without contact. And that contact can't just be one-off. You know, it needs to be consistently building relationships and finding those that are receptive to consider the claims of Christ. And on that, of course, context is the key these days, you know, to understand the history and the culture and meet needs creatively and, and then be intentional about your process, uh, you know, to invite people to consider what it means to follow Jesus and to take a bridge toward discipleship. Because we're very much living in a, in a society that's very close to approximating what was existing in 100 AD, you know, very secular and and uh, not connected. So there's a, there's a need for that real authentic kind of connection with folks. So that's a big one. And then a third one I would mention, Pete, would be um, not shifting gears as the church grows. You know, what brings you success in one phase of your church's development is precisely what will not bring success in the next phase of development. Like mm. you get stuck in first gear and you'll either just go real slowly or you'll try and wind it up in first gear and get up to seven, 8,000 RPMs, and then the engine's going to break. And so you need to go from first gear to second gear to third gear and so forth as you move forward. Yeah, is you that, know, that's interesting. One of the things that Peyton's fond of saying is that the toughest thing in church planning is the second year. And, uh, and I think you just hit on that of that, you know, things, things change and you've got to change with it. Right. Because, for example, at first, you know, you have, you're doing everything. And then you got to start getting people to start doing stuff. And, and then eventually, though, what's going to happen is like when I ended up one time, I was really frustrated and discouraged. I realized I had 27 people reporting to me. And it wow. didn't happen. And I got all those plates spinning across the board. And I, I no wonder I'm tired. Right. And, and I had to then or reorganize to help put people in charge of things that were in charge of other things. And that's, that's part of that uh, shifting gears. You know, so there's that organizational development as you move forward. That's really good. Yeah. And hence, hence the title, right? The church planning journey. I mean, there's a, there's a start point, there's a, there's a finish point, and there's a journey along the way that, uh, again, um, that kind of veteran experience, Bob. I mean, that's that's huge for planners because they'll read a book and it won't be mapped out for them like that. You know, I mean, mo- most of the stuff that you write about that you've done, um, you're not thinking about it in a sequence or a sequential fact. You know, uh, fashion. You're thinking about it as, hey, here's a topic that I'm going to talk about in this book, and let me put that in there. And then the guy does that from day one. And I think some of 
what God teaches us on the journey. You, you've mentioned the spiritual battle, that whole spiritual aspect to it where, I mean, I look back at Paul's journey and I think, why didn't God just tell him about Macedonia? So he just went there rather than having him go where he went and then interrupting his mission and saying, hey, come over here and help us. But that was all part of it. That was all part of what the Holy Spirit was trying to do in Paul on his church planning. Yeah. See, God is shaping us and we're also learning uh, by discovery of what God is blessing and how God is moving as we experiment and try some things and some things work and other things don't work. And, yeah. and we learn from that to then discern what is the unique thing that God wants to do in this particular context among this particular people. And that's a sweet spot. I mean, that's a really, isn't it? Like for those of you that are out there going, yeah, man, I need a book. It's going to tell me like how to not make any mistakes. I just love what you said right there, Bob, where it's like, no, those mistakes are part of it. And Paul made mistakes. I mean, I'm working on this church planning textbook right now. And it's like, you can point out Paul's mistakes. I mean, Galatia, you know, if nothing else was surely riddled with mistakes that Paul remedies on his second missionary journey. But uh, but I love that you allow for that, Bob. In fact, in fact, uh, Neil Cole looks at at the, the journeys of Paul and and shows how uh, he learned through the experience of going from addition to multiplication and how to do a mentoring process and so forth. So he learned from each of his experiences to become more fruitful in the next in the next iteration. Uh, that's great. Where does he say that, by the way? Because uh, uh, journeys to significance. I've not read that one. All right. It's it's an outstanding it's an outstanding work. Okay. I'm going to check that out. I've read a lot of his stuff, but I'm thinking that doesn't sound familiar. I need to check that out. So, uh Bob, what what are some of the best practices that you recommend for church planners? Short list, huh? Let's see. <laughs> Life rhythms for spiritual formation, you know, and rest. Um, you know, because our, our ministry really flows out of our being. And so making sure we have good uh, disciplines of days off and times for reflection and that sort of thing, I think is critical. And, and making sure we continue to grow as disciples of Jesus ourselves, because we're always that. Uh, secondly, I would suggest uh, times for listening prayer to be able to reflect and refocus to be able to get away and to do that on a periodic basis. Um, I would get away when I was planting, you know, take a half a day a month to reflect. I would take a day to reflect and pray every quarter, take two or three days to, to think through the next year, uh, to, to have that time for um, discerning what is working, what are we learning, what's got up to next. So that way we get don't get caught working in the ministry. We can work on the ministry, you know, and sort of part as God invites us to partner with him and what he's doing. I, I got kind of a, a quick little uh, side question I want to ask here, because it, it has to do with what I'm passionate about, which is the, the bivocational side of things. Um, most of the, the church planners who come to you either for coaching or counsel, things like that, what do you, th do you think most are looking for that full-time uh, 
job in ministry or are they like, hey, you know what, I'm going to be BIVO until I can be full-time or, you know, I have no desire to, to be full-time. I want to be BIVO and, and reach people that way as well. What, what's been your experience over the years? Uh, a broad range, a broad range. Um, there's certainly lots of advantages to being uh, bivocational, especially if that job allows you to earn uh, a good living with not too many hours. That's right. that's a good thing because it frees up time. Or it could be the type of job that gives you a lot of contact with people uh, in a way that you could f- come across receptive uh, people through your your journeys. Um, if you do it bivocationally, though, you need to make sure you have a team. Yeah. Uh, that's really, really critical. That's a key. Um, and because a good team can always outperform an individual if you get the right people gathered. Uh, so there, I, I, I come across a, a mix of it. You know, it's, it really depends upon what God is calling you to do yep. Yep. and also the model of ministry. There are some models of ministry that will be very effective but are not sustainable for a full-time position. And, and, and whatever we do, if we're going to have a church that reproduces and multiplies, it needs to be totally sustainable. And so sometimes we're only thinking of the, the full-time things or those things that are more the classic church plant or the trying to move toward a multi-site, you know, the, the big bang approach, as I might call it, which I'm, I'm, I'm excited about. I love all forms of churches. You know, I've, I've done, I've done, done the whole range, but the, um, uh, there's a, there's a mixture, I think, but I think more and more, we're going to have to recognize that, that if we're going to really reach the world for Christ, we're going to need to mobilize lots of bivocational people. Yeah. Mm, It's good. It's good. Well, Bob, um, what, I mean, what's the thing right now that you're the most excited about? Because we kind of know what you've been up to over the years. What What are you excited about right now? What's What's going on? Well, I'm excited about pulling things together. You know, in terms of how to how to have a holistic approach that starts with the making and multiplying disciples, which then leads to an organic leadership development, which leads to multiplication movements, and pulling all that stuff together is 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 pretty exciting. You know, we've done all the various pieces of training and coaching and assessment and you know all that stuff. But but I but I'm what I'm convinced of, Peyton, is that there's two things I'm excited about. One is helping groups uh, contextualized resources for their own setting. Mm. So, so we've been out p- producing versions of, of the work that I'm doing uh, that then have the flavor of the tribe that is, is using that, oh, uh, which cool. then helps them. So that's, that's something that's pretty exciting. Uh, and the other thing is, is the thing that I'm excited about is, is the generation of, of resources for the people in the trenches where they can be the star. Right. In other words, so much of the training stuff that's out there is the the superstar that does this, and they have these video things and blah blah blah, and it, and that does a lot of a lot of good. I mean, it's it's great stuff. But can't you equip it with the person that is just a planter with a handful of people? Could you put some tools into their hands so that they could do it? Right. And they could it would maybe supplemented with a little three minute video clip here that then they talk about, but they're the ones doing it. And so I've been yeah. developing resources now for the 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 planter in the trenches to work with their teams in a way that they can do it and they can be the star. I think that's really what's going to be critical because that makes it reproducible. Yeah. No, that's really good. 
That's really good. At what stage of their church plant would, would that um, material be for? Would it be for the beginning? Would it be for a church plant already going? Would it be for one getting ready to multiply? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. All of, all of the above. Because because in reality, and, and even in the church planting journey, there's a start of that in terms of here's what you can work with on your teams. Right. And, and, and I would love to see each one of those key sections as planters say, hey, this is what we need some help with. I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to produce some some things that maybe have a cohort together to work with them to to uh, to see the stuff that they can field test with their people and That's and great. then and then customize it to their thing. I already have a series of leadership skill guides that, that you can use for leadership development. It's very, very simple. A, a front and back page for the facilitator and a front and back page for the people. And uh, with just a few key talking points, but a biblical passage and some questions, et cetera. And for like 37 leadership skills, for instance, that's something wow. that already exists. Wow. Um, and so that's, that's the type of thing I'm interested in, in, uh, in pursuing, Peyton. That's very cool. And if you guys don't know, Bob also uh, coaches. I mentioned that, that uh, when I was working for North American Mission Board, um, uh, I asked Bob to coach me. They they gave me a budget for um, who do you know out there who could personally develop you? And uh, I'd already been to the best. I'd been working with Pete Mitchell, you know, so it was like, well, who do I go to from here? <laughs> Just teasing. But, uh, you know, I, I, I literally, I was like, man, the, the, the guy I'd really want to learn under is, is Bob. And it was the weirdest thing because I, my, my goal was to be independent um, within a year, um, to train, to coach, to do all these things. And dang it, we got there. I didn't think we were going to get there, but we got there. And uh, all that coaching and all that, it was like, I don't know if I derailed because you were like, hey, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. And um, and like I said, I set the goal, well, make me Bob Logan. <laughs> Which I don't well, know if that's fair, but you you literally like it was invaluable to me. Well, that's what I love to do. I love to uh, uh, be a Barnabas and come alongside and let others shine and let them realize their fullest potential, and to figure out solutions that that fit for them. You know yeah. who they are, their context, because because frankly, the way I do it or the way I did it um, is really irrelevant. Yeah. What matters is who has God made you to be? Where has He placed you? And how do you how do you uh, put that together? What yeah. God's put on your heart to to thrive in your setting? It was very much coaching. It wasn't like Bob going, "Okay, here's what you do. Step one, you do this." It was. I remember a couple of times I had to say to you, "All right, Bob, um, I need you right now to tell me. I need this to be directive." Um, and you were like, you kind of laughed and, "Okay, all right, if that's what you want," but. Most of the time, you were helping me work it out, which is invaluable. So, uh, really yeah, there's a time and place to put the consulting or mentoring hat on, and and that's certainly appropriate. But but for the most part, if you can help people think for themselves and discover the and apply the principles in their own context, they'll find right sized solutions. Because you don't want to put David in Saul's armor. You know, you want to help people right. to really thrive in, with what God's given them and what He's called them to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, you know, if you guys want to get Bob, where can uh, where can they get in touch with you? For, well, my email is bob at loganleadership.com. 
bob at loganleadership.com. And the uh, website is uh, loganleadership.com, obviously. And uh, that's one of the places you can start to get connected with some of the resources. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that's there you can find. I have a blog, by the way, that, that uh, I, I write weekly. And, and um, uh, there's a lot of stuff I, I keep uh, putting out there. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Bob, I really appreciate you taking the time to share this insight with us. And, uh, and I would just encourage anyone who's listening right now who's like, hey, I think I, think I need to reach out to Bob. Go ahead and do it. I think it's going to be a, a huge benefit to you to do that. Um, just in, in closing, what's, your, what's next for you? What's the next thing in church planning for Bob Logan? Well, I started already alluding alluding to that in terms of the producing tools, but but I'm really interested in connecting with people that really have a big vision, in particular, uh, perhaps planters that are just like in years two and three, and how to figure out how to truly implement a uh, multiplying discipleship that leads to a multiplication movement. Because mm. I think that if you get a church plant before it gets too set, because church is institutionalized in years yep. four to seven, if you can find it in that sweet spot where you're not just surviving, but rather now ready to build for a, a, a bigger future, that's that's who I'd really like to connect with and uh, and to see how we can uh, continue to develop the resources that help people out there in the trenches to really reach a lot of people for Jesus. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, our guest today has been church planning training legend Bob Logan. And uh, you may not have ever known Bob Logan, but you will know a lot of people that were trained and coached by him. So be sure to check out his latest book, which is The Church Planting Journey. You've gotten some sneak peeks today, and uh, you've heard perhaps maybe a little bit. There we go. There it is for those of you watching. It's up there on the screen. And you have been able to hear a little bit about the way that uh, Bob even packages this in a, in a sequential way for you um, as you hit various thresholds. So uh, there, there is not a one-size-fits-all to church planning, but there are principles that are timeless. So, uh, Bob, thanks again for coming on. And, Pete, when you're doing all this... Uh, I doing... was so hoping I was going to be able to do that. All right, go for it. You segue. No, no, you started down the path. Keep you going. You know, as you're doing all this journeying and church planning, surely, Pete, you don't have the time to be doing all of your financial... This is a shameless uh, segue Bob into our sponsor, uh, which they love us and let us abuse them. Um, surely you don't have t- time to do all the bookkeeping and financial things for your church plant. Well, right, surely I don't. That's why I have simplifychurch.com. That's what? right. Simplifychurch.com. What do they do, Pete? They take care of all my bookkeeping, my W-2s, my end-of-year tax statements, everything for everyone who gives to the church. They do it all. They even provide virtual assistance and website development. Like Bob Logan? Well, I, maybe Bob should hook up with Simplify Church. I don't know. but uh, Hey, AI Boy, that, was, that, that, that would, by the way, would be extremely helpful because none of that stuff did I know how to do when I was starting out. You know, it was hey. like, what a, what a blessing. Right? Oh, it, it's fantastic. They just sent me, I got them right here. I got into your tax receipts and uh, they're all like, Hey, we don't have addresses for these, these people. Can you track them down? So I'm telling you, man, they are thorough and uh, they're good stuff, especially this time of year. There's a really good time to have Simplify Church on your team. So uh, anyways, guys, Hey, thanks for joining us today. This has been Peyton Jones, Bob Logan, 
Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.